welcome to my podcast, Grief Haven, where I am going to talk all things grief. And I am so excited that you're here to join me today. It is such a blessing and honor that I can be this person on the other side of the microphone, educating and sharing my grief journey so that it may just help just one other person along their grief journey is my true goal. And whether you're here because you are grieving yourself, you've lost someone very significant in your life, and you're just looking for a place to resonate with somebody else to learn more about grief or or if you're here because you're trying to educate yourself on grief, um, if you know someone in your life who is having a really hard time with their grief, I commend you for being here and learning. Um, this is just a podcast that I am going to talk about all things grief. Um, and I'm going to kick things off today by sharing a little bit about my journey so you guys can get to know about who I am and what has brought me here today. So my journey with grief didn't start until six years ago. It was November 2017 when my husband tragically died in a car accident. So it was very sudden and it was, um, you know, with that knock on the door that everyone dreads. It's, it's everyone's worst nightmare. You know, I experienced everyone's worst nightmare and I know so many of you here have been in my shoes of getting a knock at the door, getting a phone call, hearing those words from a doctor that your loved one is gone and that is life altering and there's nothing that can pre prepare you for losing someone who was so significant and important in your life. So I think a lot of people struggle with that split second life altering point. You know, if I think back onto my journey and I think back to, you know, the night the last night that I shared with my husband, it was, you know, everything was fine. We were raising our two boys. We had our seven month old and we had our two and a half year old, you know, and life was fine. I mean, raising toddlers and babies isn't easy in a marriage. And, you know, we definitely were struggling in terms of figuring it all out. Um, my husband had been, my husband's name was Jason. He had been on paternity leave, he was fortunate enough to take some time. When we had our youngest son, Bryson, he got to do some things in his last six months that he wouldn't have gotten to do if he, he didn't take paternity leave. So I am very grateful that he got to do that. Uh, he was very passionate about farming. He was a hydro worker, but his passion was farming. And he got to do a lot of farming in those last six months. He also got a little bit more opportunity to spend with our boys and and bond with them before he passed so that was you know very grateful for that now and just thinking back again to that night you know he was going out to a retirement party he had worked all day farming for a neighbor and it started it was raining and then it kind of turned to a sleety snowy mix so it wasn't a great weather night but he still really wanted to go and connect back in with his work crew. He hadn't seen most of them for a while. This was a retirement party. It was a good opportunity for him to, you know, just touch base with them again because he was going back to work very soon. I was very hesitant about him going out because of the weather and kind of just wanted him to stay home. But he is his own person and very stubborn in the way of loving to very social guy. So he went out. And 
it's just so insane to me that, you know, I was sitting on the couch watching Grey's Anatomy when he walked out the door. We had a conversation. He was sitting in the kitchen. I was on the couch. And it's so crazy that that was our last conversation. And, you know, we are very intuitive beings. And I didn't realize it till later, but I did have a thought that night when he walked out that door. I can still picture him walking out the door. I, I see it very clearly and thinking, what if that's the last time I see him? And obviously I dismissed it like right away because that's not going to happen. And I don't even think he texted me that night when he was out, which isn't unusual. You know, I just want him to go out, do your thing and then come back. But bed that night and woke up at three in the morning to notice that he still wasn't home. Um, which of course raised some panic, but thinking that, you know, he had mentioned he was going to stop by my brother's after the retirement party. Maybe he didn't even get to my brother's. Maybe he decided to have a few more drinks and, you know, crash at somebody's house um, and forgot to text me. I, I looked at my phone, there was no text. So, you know, anger boiled up, like, how dare he not come home and not tell me that he's not coming home because he knows he's, he's going to worry me. Um, so I called him and texted him several, several times with no answer, hoping the worst case scenario was that he didn't have his phone on or his phone died. Um, so, you know, I really didn't get back to sleep after that because in the back of your mind and that intuition tells you that something is wrong. So, you know, I, I remember nursing my son. He was still nursing at the time at like five in the morning putting him back to sleep. And then he, he finally woke for the, for the day at 6.30, get up with him. You know, we're, we're sitting on the couch. I still remember these moments so, so clearly. And, you know, when we do go through a traumatic experience, they truly do ingrain themselves within us. And, you know, it's not that I think of this day often anymore. I mean, it was definitely something that replayed over my head for a long, long time. I mean, it doesn't bring up the same feelings as it did. It was very hard for me to talk about this day three, four, five, six years ago, right? But I can talk about it now as I worked so hard to be able to get here. But, you know, in waiting for him to get home, you know, just sitting on the couch with my seven-month-old, you know, I actually seen someone through the window in the laneway and thinking, oh, okay, he's home. And I was ready to ream him out, get so mad at him for doing that to me and worrying me and keeping me up most of the night. But then I get a knock at my front door and he always comes in the back door. And my heart instantly dropped and I knew. I still went to the door. I didn't want to go to the door, but I went to the door, my baby in my, on my hip, and I answered the door. And what do I see? Police officer and my uncle who happened to be a volunteer firefighter who was at the scene of his accident. And you know, right? You you just, it's, at that point, I disconnected from my body. I don't know what happened after that other than me begging for them to not tell me the news that they're about to tell me. Because maybe if they didn't tell me, it wouldn't be true. And it was just a whirlwind from there. I mean, it's, it's so crazy how I can remember the moments to a T right until that point. And it gets very blurry after that. It's a very much out-of-body experience. One point, the police officer was holding my baby. Don't know how that happened. I know I begged for my uncle to call my parents. One thing I know that I was very thankful for was that my two-and-a-half-year-old son was still sound asleep in his bedroom and missed all of this. As he, you know, that didn't have to be something that traumatized him. But 
what's I think really hard for people who haven't gone through a moment like this is understanding how alternate universes it is from you know your life before that life-changing news and the moment you know the moment after and for me now it feels like a whole nother lifetime ago I even sometimes find myself asking, did that even happen? Did I really experience this? Because it is so life altering. So, you know, changes the trajectory of your whole life with that news that your loved one has passed away. And I think it's just really hard to explain that experience unless you've been through it. So just as if you are here for someone who is grieving, just understand that they have been through something so traumatic that it's really hard to explain and they're not going to get back to that person who they were before. They're going to fight to get back to that person who they were before, most likely. I know I did, but it is physically emotionally, mentally impossible once you have received that life-altering news. Your life crumbles into a million pieces and there's no way of putting it back together exactly the way it was before. But it's just still kind of baffles me sometimes when I think about one split second changed my whole future. And that is some is really a hard to become to have acceptance towards and that is a struggle that so many fight when they're going on this grief journey so when my husband died i i did definitely have a lot of outpouring of support i know my house was filled with people that day which is crazy as well you know <laughs> just waking up that morning thinking you know what are we going to do today like how am i going to keep the kids busy what, what should we do going to you know having to tell people what has happened i oddly needed to be in control and be the one who told people i, I did make a lot of phone calls which seems bizarre um, that i did that but for whatever reason i needed that control in those moments i mean everybody this is going to be obvious through my podcast is that everybody grieves differently and everyone's journey is going to look different so here I am sharing my journey and what I experienced. And that doesn't mean that you should experience this too, or you should have gone through this too, or you should have done this too. This is just my journey and what I've been through because I'm Julie and I lost my husband who I had a certain relationship with, who was a certain person to me. Everybody's relationship with everybody is different. And so no two grief journeys can look the same. There is so much empathy that grievers can have towards each other because they know what they are going through. But we cannot compare our grief journeys and think, wow, like she did this and that helped her do this, but you know, I didn't do it and look where I am and I just want to be where she is. So I need to do what she's doing. You need to follow your own intuition and know that that is right for you. It took me a while to be able to do that, but it kind of leads me into this next point that I think is really important. And I just kind of thought of this the other day, how there's this ranking system within society. I mean, society puts a lot of pressure on grievers. They've kind of got, this is how grief should look like, but it's not like, right? There's so much stigma around grief. And that's again, a, a passion that has 
come into me is just educating people on grief so that we can kind of break down some of those barriers. But it's like there's this ranking system. And when we lose someone, so you know, whether you lost a, a grandparent, a parent, a spouse, uh, a sibling, a brother, a friend, whoever you lost, it's like, okay, society is going to rank you on a certain level based on who that person, what their role was to you. So you lost your spouse, you get ranked here. You lost your brother, you get ranked a little bit lower down here. You ranked, you know, you lost your child, you get ranked way up here. There's just this ranking system that society tends to put on us, which is puts so much pressure on us because it doesn't matter who they were in terms of a role to you. What matters is how significant they were to you, how much they meant to you, how much impact they had on your life. That is going to be how your grief journey kind of unfolds. And there is no timeline to put on that. There is no ranking system to be put on that. There is no, you know, the parents should be grieving more because they lost a child and the siblings should be grieving less because, you know, yes, it's a sibling, but it's not as important as a, losing a child or even, I know there's this whole, you know, stigma with you lost your grandparent. Well, that's kind of a natural thing in life is you're going to lose your grandparents because that's how, you know, life's supposed to play out. They get old and they die old and well that's how life works so that's not a significant loss so you shouldn't be if that's not ranked high you shouldn't be grieving that long but maybe that person was extensively close with their grandparent and you know talked to them every day and shared so much with them and you know who are we to rank what their grief is to them based on the relationship role that that person played. It's not about who they were in that role. It's how the relationship was based on, you know, how much they impacted their life and how much they were in their life. That's what really impacts the grieving journey. So we need to get rid of this whole ranking system we seem to kind of have and just honor everyone's journey for what it is and don't put any stigmas or stipulations on people when they, when they do lose someone significant in their lives. So just know that we don't have to go and rank ourselves and just know that it can really keep you stuck. And I know it kept me stuck for so long. I realize now that I put this ranking system on myself back when I first lost Jason because I ranked myself as the wife who was, you know, planning to spend the rest of her life with him raising our two boys together. And I'm going to rank myself way, way, way up here. And everyone else trickles down below me. But that kept me really stuck. And I'll tell you why. Because when I did start releasing some of the emotions and, and healing myself, I'd go, no, 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 you can't. You cannot feel better. You cannot look happy. You cannot laugh. You cannot feel joy. Because remember, you're his wife. You need to be ranked way up here. And if there's other people who are still really grieving him, you got to grie grieve intensely too, or else what does that mean for you and how you were in his life? That kept me stuck for so long until I let that go. And I've reflected on that recently. And that's how I kind of came up with this whole like society really truly does rank griefs based on the role of who they were to you. And we, we have to stop doing that for ourselves and for others. 
and just honor. If I had just from the beginning honored my journey and let myself feel my emotions as they came in, I would have done myself a world of wonders. I would definitely put on a sad face and make sure, okay, you got to show that you are still very deeply grieving here. So make sure you don't laugh, make sure you don't smile, and make sure you don't like have fun. So I really kept myself stuck. But what I really realized in this journey is that, you know, whatever we're experiencing in life doesn't equate to how much we miss them in terms of like, if you do go out for a night of fun and some laugh, it doesn't mean that you're not grieving. It doesn't mean that you don't miss them. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore. What it means is that you're letting yourself and allowing yourself permission to continue to try the best you can to move forward. And when you are grieving, you definitely deserve that. You just definitely deserve to try and have some fun because it doesn't come often when you're consumed by these really heavy emotions. Grief is a very consuming, takes over your whole brain. And so why was I telling myself and denying myself of those things when I could have really used it? So it's just important to know that grief equates to love. It's the price we pay for loving the people in our lives. But when you're ready to start slowly picking yourself back up again on the day that you feel like you can actually get out of bed, why are you going to deny yourself of feeling some little joys that life does have to give us in those really dark moments. When I denied myself of that, I denied myself of experiences with my children. I denied myself of helping myself out of the dark hole that I seemed to be slipping into further and further every day that my husband was gone. And I just thought that I have to hide away from the world and this was going to be my life forever now. I, I, how do you get past this? How do you move forward in life and find a way to want to live? Because when you lose someone significant in your life, it impacts your life where your world comes crumbling down. There is a point you lose that will to live. And I think many grievers here will say, yep, been there, lost my will to live. It doesn't mean we want to die it just means that you don't know how to continue you don't know how to continue in a world where they don't exist and it's a really hard thing to get through but it, it's it's learning it's taking your time to give yourself permission to grieve give yourself permission to do these things that your your intuition is telling you to do and letting yourself just be and do what you need to do even if it is laughter. I mean, it's just a tricky navigation. And again, I think based on my experience, it's just partially to do with the stigmas we put on grief and how we should grieve. I hadn't gone through this intense grief before I lost Jason. It was grandparents that I'd lost in the past, um, mostly at a younger age. And yes, it was sad. Yes. I miss them. I'm sure I went through some kind of grief period, but like I said, I was younger when I lost them. And to this day, yes, still miss them. But until losing Jason, it didn't impact my life the way it did. And so here I was at 31 with two young children, 
my husband just died. What the heck do I do with that? It's kind of this feeling that creates a very much uncomfortable in your own skin. You are flooded with emotions that you probably haven't really experienced before. And I literally wanted to rip off my own skin. I felt very uncomfortable with what was happening and what I was experiencing. And it, it's hard to explain, but it's it's just something that made me want to not live anymore, even though I didn't truly want to die. But it's just that not having any sort of idea how to get through this was really hard in that beginning of time. And it's it's weird because in that first week, let's call it, when you're flooded with phone calls and text messages and knocks at your door and people coming over and bringing you food and bringing you flowers and sending you cards and you're planning a funeral or a celebration of life or whatever you're planning for um, your loved one, it's a very hectic, busy time that you almost don't have time to really pause and just like understand fully what's going on. You're doing the motions, yet you haven't had time to let it all kind of sink in. It's not till after the funeral that I found that it hit you because things got quieter. People, you know, kind of got to come to Jason's funeral, have that for themselves, their goodbyes, their kind of closure, if you want to call it, and went to work the next day on with their lives. And not saying that everyone who came to Jason's funeral was just like fine and better when they left his funeral service. I'm sure they were very deeply affected for someone who was now widowed, going back to my empty house with my children, thinking about how everyone just gets to go home to their loved one and be with their loved one and start kind of going back to regular life. You know, pause. We're going to grieve for this person that died. And then after, life kind of gets to get picked up back up for them. And again, not saying that no one grieved Jason after the funeral and didn't miss him and all that. But it's just a very, again, weird state where you're just so overwhelmed and consumed with people and support and love and planning. And all of a sudden just comes to a dead halt right after the funeral. That is was also a very challenging experience for me. And now it was kind of like, okay, I'm done planning all that. We laid him to rest. What the heck do I do now? And I'll get further into that throughout my podcast. But that's what started my grief journey. And it's all about starting to learn and look at. And I dissected my grief journey and reflected on it in the past um, as I continue to heal through what comes up for me. And grief is, I'll just say this now, is a forever thing. I, I think... I, I knew, but I wanted to deny that because though, especially the way you're feeling in the first year, two years, three years, even you don't want to feel that for the rest of your life. And me being 31 was like, this can't be how I feel for the rest of my life. And that's scary as crap. And I think I thought somehow magically, if I made it to the one year mark, things would be better, that it would just kind of go away. And I don't know if I just needed to think that to help get me through the first year or just that hoping that this could go away or something to like kind of work towards, like work towards getting to that first year, getting through those days. And then it's almost like, and I'm like, okay, we made it done. And again, I really think society puts pressure on that 
because you know we feel like if we're people feel it's acceptable to still be grieving within a year of losing your loved one but guess what got to that one year mark and i was still feeling it i was still very much in heavy emotions feeling a lot of pain not knowing how to move forward and so after that first year mark i almost felt more lost than ever before because here i was still dealing with the same thing so that's when i it took me a while but started to dive into like what is grief and why am i why am i still feeling this am i going to still be feeling this in another year in another year and that's when i started to learn that grief equals love i'm always going to have love for jason i shared two boys with him we created a family together and there's always going to be moments that we miss him moments that we wish he was here and that's not going to go away no matter where life takes me and once i kind of accepted that realized that did help shift me out of that just kind of reaching this certain finish line that is not out there you know i just can't kind of keep moving the steps and maybe one day eventually i'll find that finish line but accepting that there is no finish line and knowing that this is kind of forever thing and we can grow around our grief i've learned that grief is always inside me i've worked through a lot of my triggers you know in the beginning everything was a freaking trigger but now i have my main triggers that are still i think always going to affect me and i work through them when they come up but grief is always there within me it shaped me who i am today and i can continue growing a beautiful life within my grief so that's what i have for you today on this episode just a brief intro into my journey and i feel truly blessed that you joined me listening to this podcast and i hope you continue to coming back and sending all my love to all the listeners out there